If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heat, and it keeps it out of sight. So, welcome everybody to our third Macklin's take of the week. It's the day after the O2 card top by Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. We are back in our customary spot in the foyer of the Intercontinental and there is a Sunday kind of a feel to this place. I wouldn't say it's a hungover feel necessarily. It's a kind of warm glow if anything because last night was was an absolutely sensational night. I, I was there as a fan. I was doing a little event with Anthony Crawler beforehand and then went and sat right up in the nosebleeds to watch the fight which actually was a really enjoyable experience to see that kind of perspective. You get spoiled down at ringside and it was really interesting to see the entire arena. The, the ring walks were absolutely sensational and the whole thing as an event I thought was was just spot on. I think it, I think it was all week. I think Boxer and Sky did a, a terrific job with it. Everybody seemed to have a thoroughly good time. It was a mixed crowd in terms of ages. Uh, there was a young amateur fighter, a 10-year-old girl who was at the event that me and Anthony were at. And it was the first time she'd come to boxing and she was a big Savannah Marshall fan and, and all that kind of thing. And Matt, you were down at ringside right in the, right in the thick of it. We'll talk about the, the fights first and then the, the event itself afterwards. It really did, it really did deliver. The, the top two fights were, were just fantastic. You know, I mentioned the ring walks and the kind of showbiz and, and, and the glitz and how it would have looked on screen and that was all completely on point. But then when the bell went, that's when you really want the fights to, to live up to the billing and they definitely did. Oh, without a doubt. Um, both, both brilliant fights. Uh, Maya and Baumgartner was a, a close fight. Um, I had Michaela Maya winning, but definitely no arguments with the decision. It was a close fight that could have gone either way. People were divided, and that tells you it was one. It was a subjective 
Um, but, but a brilliant fight. You know, both, both got hit with good shots, both took good shots, came back, lost rounds, had to readapt, make adjustments. Uh, brilliant fight. Uh, and, of course, the main event, um, Clarissa was brilliant. I mean, Savannah gave it everything she had. She can be very proud of what she put in her effort. But Clarissa was definitely, was she was clearly the, the better fighter on the night. The co-main event... Mayer and Baumgartner, we, we knew that was going to be a good fight. And, and it was. It, it was really, really close. I was as far away from a ring as I've ever been in, a, um, in an event. Um, but once you kind of got used to it, it was surprisingly... It was easier than I thought it would be to, to get a sense of what was landing and what wasn't. And from where I was sitting, I, I, had, it, I had it a draw. And it was very, it was very close. There, there was no robbery. When, when Big Mo, the MC, who I think is a real find, I thought he was terrific, when he teed it up as a, as a split decision, before he even read out the final card, I just thought to myself, well, whichever way this goes, whoever gets it, it's fine. Because it's been that kind of, that kind of a fight. And, and a good, good pal of mine, Chris Wardrobe, pointed out on, on um, Twitter this morning, I think we both retweeted it, that something he's finding a bit tiring these days, and I totally agree, is that whenever you do have a fight that can genuinely go either way people are always looking for evidence of some kind of robbery there was no robbery last night if you're if you're a mayor fan if you're on team mayor you're going to be gutted if you're on team Baumgartner, you're going to of course feel like you deserved it but it's very very possible and we talked about this plenty of times before to have a fight where you have in a 10 rounder four rounds that are easy to score for macklin four rounds that are easy to score for clark two that are very difficult and you can go either way with both or split them one each down the middle. And you get three different results depending on what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I've seen the tweet that you're talking about and, and he, he, he's hit the nail on the head because what happens is as well, everyone's screaming robbery all the time when, when it's just a close competitive fight that could have gone either way. Dilutes it for when there is a robbery. It's like the boy who cries wolf, isn't it? You know, and last night was not a robbery. By any means, nowhere near a robbery. It was a very close fight that could have legitimately gone either way. I had, I think, I think I gave, I think I shared the first round. I think I Baumgarten at the second. Then I think I gave Mayer three, four, five, and six. Uh, Baumgarten at the seventh, and then Mayer eight, nine, and um, Baumgarten at the tenth. But I think it was eight and nine, and even one and two. We're really close rounds. I thought three, four, five, six was pretty solidly clear for Mayer. But other than that, there were no clear rounds. Do you know? So then it's like, what did you like? You know? And uh, it, it, it is it is a bit of a problem, really. I, th- I think social media has probably pushed it on a little bit more as well. Because you've got every man and his dog who's probably read the boxing news once or twice thinks they're a mad expert. They don't sit there and score the fights. They watch the fights like anyone else does. And afterwards then they have a feeling of who they think won. They decide who won the fight. And then they, they, they scream robbery if it doesn't match up to what they thought. They didn't sit there with a pen and score it on a 10-point must system. And I, I can pretty much guarantee you 95% of people didn't do that. Uh, you, you said earlier you were up in the, the stands and you got people there half caught. And that's probably an understatement. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, was, it, was, it, it was a really kind of 
just an enjoyable experience anyway, but really sort of illuminating from that point of view because it's a Saturday night out. People have paid money for their tickets. It's a night out. They want to enjoy themselves. Everybody around me was very much enjoying themselves. They are watching the boxing, but they haven't got their notepads out scoring it on the 10-point must, and, and nor should they, really. You know, that's, that's for, that's for dyed-in-the-wool weirdos like me who do things like that. Um, but it does just mean that you get to the end of the fight and you've got a feeling about who you who you think has won, and you're totally entitled to your feeling. That the only thing I didn't didn't like about about the whole thing was that when the decision was announced, there was there was some booing. Fine, if you don't agree with it, but then to boo Baumgartner's post fight interview, come yeah, on. Bad. Come on! Didn't like that at all. They, they, they don't have any control over the judges' scorecards, the fighters. If you feel like someone's been gifted one, she wasn't gifted one. But if you feel like anyone has been, it's not their fault. You know that that, that I didn't I didn't like that. But but that was kind of for me the only the only just slight blot on the whole thing. It, do you know what it, it, that was the type of fight I knew it when the bell went. Whoever get whoever doesn't whoever's going to be on the wrong. This is a close fight. Whoever's going to be the, on the wrong side of this. He's gonna feel hard done by. You know, that's just a, and, and that's how it was. You know, Maya, she was pissed off, disgusted, gutted, whatever. She left the ring. But if it, had, it if Maya had got it, Baumgarten would have felt exactly the same. They both felt they'd done enough to win. You know, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it, it was it was a great fight. I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed the, the the main event as well. <laughs> Shields at the top of that ring walk doing that choreographed dance. I had to look twice to see if that was her or whether that was a, a, a dancer and she was waiting behind behind the screen. I mean, that takes some confidence to do that. And I thought Marshall was, was terrific. I, I don't think she could have done any more than she did. But I, I just remember I, the first time I saw Shields from ringside was in, in Kazakhstan at the World Amateurs in 2016. And she was a big name by then, of course. She was a world champion, an Olympic champion. And she was 21. And, and that was the first time I'd seen her live. And I just couldn't quite believe how good she was. And I haven't changed my mind. Because she is... We talk about levels in boxing. But she is... She is supersonic. And when it comes to skill set, but also mindset and mentality. People saying this week that they felt she was a little bit rattled. She wasn't rattled. That's just how she is. That's just her personality. I, I th- I'm more impressed with the mindset and the mentality than, than her technical ability or skill set. You know, her, 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 her mental toughness, her sheer grit and defiance and desire to win, um, her spirit, that's what impressed me the most. She come out at the start of that round, started fast and never once let up in that fight. Yeah, she was, she was great and... As I said, I thought Savannah Marshall could not have done any more. She got hit clean plenty of times, um, but she never took a backward step. She was always coming forward. She landed on Shields with some with some good shots, but but Shields, she was giving that ground to the ropes, wasn't she? She wasn't getting backed up. She she was she was willingly giving it and slipping, rolling on the ropes, catching, countering. She really is the full package. The difficulty she's got is that there aren't that many good fights out there for her. That was by far her hardest fight last night. I think we'll see that fight again down the line. I don't think, I don't think we're going to see an immediate rematch. Def, um, but but I think, you know, Savannah will regroup. She'll have learned a lot from that fight. She will improve, I believe. And, you know, a year, that six months, a year, a few fights, whatever, down the line. I think we will see it again because they are the best two in the division. So, 
you know, it's not like you don't have the same strength in depth as you do in men's boxing. So it's a lot more likely that the fight will happen. And we said before as well, it's probably a big reason for why they do come together and collaborate and, and work together, promoters and networks, because to make this, to make last night happen, you had Matt Shroom, top rank, boxer, all working together. So it can be done. Where there is a will, there's a way. It's just that there just isn't enough willingness in the men's sport for, for, the, for this to get done. But in the women's sport, because they don't have as many options, they do have the willingness. So we just need to... We just need them to flip that over now and, and, and get together and start making bigger fights on the men's side of the, uh, of the fence. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to The Desire and Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! No, that was what was great last night. It was, it was as, as Big Bob Aaron would say, it was, it was collegial. You know, there was a lots of big boxing houses coming together. And what, watching that fight actually from, from right up at the top where I was, that, that's a good example of, of how in the stands you can see something different because quite a lot of people around me come the final bell thought that Savannah had won. And I knew she hadn't, but... I know how they reached that conclusion. It's because every time Savannah Marshall threw anything or half landed with anything, you get a big cheer, you get a big roar, and you could hear it. So even if you're kind of half chatting, half watching, watching most of the time, you hear that. Every time Shields landed, it was more of a wince. It was more of a, you know, whereas when Savannah landed, it was a, oh, and, and it, it, that sways you. That definitely, definitely sways you. So the people around me saw something different to what, to what I saw. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed it for for all those different all those different reasons. But you just did feel last night like when a bit like when Lomachenko came to the same arena against Luke Campbell. You, you watch someone like Shields box live on that kind of stage that she's absolutely made for, and you just think I'm 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 really pleased I was here. You know, you mentioned the ring walk, how, how relaxed and cool she was, um, and then I, I look at Michaela's ring walk. Yeah, that was great too, and that was brilliant too. But she didn't; she wasn't quite as at ease, or as relaxed, and as comfortable as what as what Carissa was. So maybe that's because she's been in bigger fights before. I don't know. Maybe she was more confident than what Michaela was. Again, I don't know. But it, I just know that was something that stood out to me. Oh yeah, because if you think about it, that was a choreographed dance at the start. Therefore, you have spent time probably a reasonable amount of time practicing that not many people do that takes you back to Naz doesn't it when we saw his ring walks he would have spent plenty of time thinking about them devising them and making sure they were 100% properly executed so you've got to have rock solid confidence in yourself to set yourself up like that and also the people around you have to too don't they to let you go down that road yeah yeah definitely but I mean I'm just thinking 
about uh, myself when I was boxing and thinking what other people I know, Ricky Hatton, different people. I just think it'd be like, ah, fuck that, let's get in the ring. You know, I can't be doing that fucking dancing. I'm, my heart's pounding here. I'm about to have a fight. So to kind of detach from the fight for 30 seconds or two minutes or whatever it is to and just remember your moves and your dance and that and enjoy it and smile and laugh and then suddenly put the game face back on. You know, that's, I don't, I don't think everyone can do that. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And just to kind of broaden this out to talk about the the possibilities, the potential um, for women's pro boxing in terms of being a real a real box office draw and a TV ratings draw. I think it's in a very, very good spot, you know, because when we watched the Euros last year when England's women won the Euros, what I noticed, and I actually first noticed this when I covered the Paralympics 10 years ago, the Olympics was banged out. You couldn't get tickets. It was impossible. Everybody watched the Olympics and thought, I, I want some of that. So everybody bought tickets for the Paralympics and that was mobbed. I was doing archery. I was covering archery and it was packed every day. And I'd be on the train with people and, they, and it was full of people who weren't really that into sport, but they'd seen how great the Olympics were. They'd got children, say, and they wanted to get them into something, get them out of the house Go, some, go to something that was, was kind of user-friendly, fan-friendly, you know, a pleasant experience, but something a bit new. So there's a big sector of people out there like that. I think that, that female sport, because it is more welcoming, I think, generally, than men's professional sport. It can be quite intimidating going to men's football. It can be quite intimidating going to, to men's boxing. I think they've got a great opportunity here to, to really pull that crowd in because those fights last night were ferocious but the two minute rounds give you just brilliant brilliant action and the level of brutality isn't quite where it is with the men is it and no. I think for a lot of people that's I think that's important for a lot of people on a couple of levels there might be some parents out there who don't really want their kids seeing people getting ironed out but they're happy to take their eight-year-old to see women box because it's less likely to happen. And then let's not pretend there are plenty of, of men around of all ages who don't want to see a woman get her nose splattered across her face. They just don't want to watch that. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to see a woman or a girl getting their nose splattered across the face or a jaw broke. I don't want to see that. But I can appreciate the skill and the competitiveness. You know, it's um, boxing is a bit different to other sports because it, it, it has got that brutality to it. You know, men's boxing can be, it can be grueling, can't it? It can be really brutal. It can be dangerous where, I'm not, I'm not saying women's boxing isn't tough, but of course it is. That was a, that was a tough fight last night. You know, Savannah, Clarissa, they, they bared their souls. They gave it everything they had. But two minute rounds and where women's boxing is in the skill, it, it it isn't at the level of the brutality of the men's sport. And because of that, it is more family-friendly. It is more kid-friendly, women-friendly. And it's um, it's more of a sport than, than a brutal business. Uh, it's not as gladiatorial. You know, it's more sport. Um, and I think everyone appreciates, uh, you know, digging deep, that competitiveness, the will to win. But boxing can cross the line to where it gets a little bit, you know, oof. Bit dangerous, bit brutal, and and not everyone wants that. Not every, and certainly not everyone wants to bring their kids to see that. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and also, it's if the two-minute rounds weren't delivering really entertaining contests, then then I would be all for pushing towards three-minute rounds. But they are. You know, look at some of the ones we've seen. Katie Taylor against Pursoon twice. Taylor Serrano earlier in the year. Both of those two from last night. There's plenty of others as well. But they, the two-minute rounds with a minute in between rounds to recharge, it just means you see them fight. You, you, You'd see them fight like fuck for 120 well, you, seconds you, of you, every single round. You could argue that, and probably rightly so, you could argue easily that if you did go to three-minute rounds, they wouldn't be as exciting because they'd have to slow down. You know, the fact that they're two-minute rounds means they can go out there bell-to-bell for two minutes. You wouldn't be able to, They would not be able to do that if it was three minutes. So, you know, maybe 12 twos is a compromise. Maybe 15 twos if they want to go... You know, even there. But, like, I think the two-minute rounds, I like the two-minute rounds for the women's sport. I think it means you can... It, the, the pace is faster. Um, and, you know, it just spares the brutality. Yeah, I think 12 twos is is an obvious thing to do. There's no reason to cap it at... There's no reason to cap it at 10. Um, you know, the, there's arguments for and against the three minutes as opposed to the two minutes. Plenty of people I know and respect really want to see three minutes. But I just think, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And at the minute, it's really doing the business, those two-minute rounds. It's, it's a tremendous watch. It's breathless to commentate on, isn't it? Well, Absolutely breathless. Let's be honest. You know, last night, Taylor Serrano, they're probably as good a night as we've seen this year in boxing. You know, you're talking about fights of the year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They're up there, aren't they? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd absolutely agree with that. Um, and as I say, I do think that, you know, there is a real... I think there's a real kind of appetite for people who maybe haven't really got too much of a sporting background to to want to take their kids to sport, to get them into sport, because we know how much of a concern there is these days about youngsters spending too much time watching screens and not interacting with other people and not getting out there and competing and opening themselves up to all of the good stuff that, that me and you both know that that, that sport can, can do for you. Um, and, and I just think that an event last night... Um, Loads of kids there. Not too many, but there, there, were, there were plenty. Um, they will have come away from that. They will have enjoyed it. And whoever took them would have been happy that they'd taken them and would gladly take them again because of just the way it was organised and the way everybody was generally behaved themselves well. But, uh, but what they saw in the... Everything set a good example is what I'm taking a really long time to say. Yeah, look, one of the best things about, about sport is obviously look, winning and achieving are, are, are brilliant, aren't they, of course? They're, but it's... One of the biggest things that, that, that that's so special about sport is is is, um, is the social. It's the connecting with other people. Some some people are, very, are naturally sociable people. Some people can be quite introvert and maybe struggle to connect, but they can connect through sport. You know, and it's uh, you know family day out, going to a match like the GAA, for example, is is, is massive about community. You know, it's uh, you play from where you're from and. You know, you go to a, you go to an All Ireland final. You, you, you'll see families walking down. You, you'll see you'll see like hundreds of kids. You know, I'm not saying you don't see kids at a football match or a boxing match, but they're not in as many numbers as what you would do in those events because it's it's seen more as a sport and it's not as um, it's uh, yeah. There's more community about it, I guess. But sport, sport, people connecting through sport. I think it's always been massive. I know it was for me. Like it was, you look, you go back through the years and you look at all the friendship groups you had and the different teams you played for. It was a big, massive part of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. And uh, you know, I don't want to kind of put too much pressure on on um, on female sport, on female boxing, but I just think that there's a chance that boxing, which is a niche sport, might become a little bit more mainstream. We're not going to get it back in schools. That's that's just too difficult a thing to do, I think. But I just think it can become more of a a mainstream sport because it, it is a little bit underground. Boxing clubs themselves are generally not all that well advertised. Either you know where they are or you don't. It's quite kind of word of mouth. But you know, you get you get plenty of you get plenty of youngsters going down there now. The the, the girl I was talking to yesterday with her parents, uh, me and um, me and Crawler, they were saying that you know before she went down to the boxing club, they couldn't really believe it when she said she wanted to box. Before she went down there, she was really quiet. Um, and it kind of brought her out of herself, and she's made friends, and you know she's more confident, and all, all that kind of all that kind of good stuff. Another point about it is what I noticed as well from watching it in the arena is that with the two minute rounds, you kind of rattle through the fights nice and quick, and I think that's a good thing because sometimes on shows what can happen is you get a really good fight. And then you might you might get quite a dire, say eight rounder, eight threes, and it's and it's bad, and it just to be honest with you takes a shit on the whole thing and kills all the momentum. That, that's not to say you can't have a bad six twos in a female fight, but it doesn't last as long. Yeah, less painful. Yeah, exactly. I think the pace to it with those two minute rounds is really good, and for that reason, I think the ambition should be to have more all female cards. Yeah, or. But sometimes I think that the, the female fight on a, on a, a male-dominated card breaks it up too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, it's because uh, you know we could get an eight threes, slow, one-sided guy surviving, another one going through the motions, bit of a stinker really. Where you know then you throw on a six twos women's fight and they go bell to bell, and all of a sudden it wakes you back up. Yeah, they they they, they absolutely. Be, you know, exists perfectly well on, on on the same card. You, you can have a kind of a different scenario. Like I had a couple of Fridays ago um, up at the Magnus Centre in Rotherham. I was working on a on a female dominated card, but there were male fighters on it. But it was the female ones who were kind of the the bigger names in the bigger fight. So you can mix and match it however you want. And people listening to this might think that I've you know I've slightly lost my head and got a bit kind of high on on, on last night and that the women's boxing is the answer to all society's problems but it's just that there is an opportunity there I think well I think what what last night was really about was um I know I think from Sky's point of view was leading the way in 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 progression you know leading the way in in, in moving forward um you know and I, and that was the first all-women's card, certainly in this country anyway. Uh, it was packed out. As you said, the fights lived up to it. The atmosphere was electric. It was just an unbelievable event to be a part of. Now, earlier in the year, we had Taylor Serrano at Madison Square Garden. You know, one of, if not the fight of the year so far, absolute humdinger. There was talk of that fight rematch happening in October in uh, in Crow Park. Now, it hasn't happened. Serrano took fight in between but Taylor's boxing in a couple of weeks here in Wembley and I think Serrano's got a fight coming up too and all going well I would imagine that all parties will do everything they can to make that fight happen for the first part of next year now 
if they do go to Crow Park, that's that's a fight that could be a main event of a pay per view of an all you know male and female card. But that is that that's a fight that could headline a pay per view event at Crow Park. Like that's that's taking the progress of last night to the next step. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That would be that would be mega. You know, Katie Taylor needs to she needs to box in in Ireland. It's not been possible in her career so far for for a for, for various reasons. Some of which people listening will be aware of. Um, some of which which you won't. But it would just be a, an absolute travesty if she doesn't box in in Ireland before she hangs them up. Which I don't think she's really threatening to do any time. No, but she soon. is. She's had a long career. She's had. I mean, I don't know how many amateur fights, but it was a lot. Um, she's had some hard fights now. You know, that, that fight with Serrano, those fights, Aju, you know, the fight with Pursuing at Madison Square Garden, even the one in the garden, they were tough fights. You know, even, even uh, Natasha Jonas, who she beat. Yeah, very you know, good they, fight. They're hard fights. You know, and, and listen, just, just biology, she's, Katie's, what, 35 now? So she's not going to go forever. So I think, you know, hopefully the Serrano fight does happen you know, in the first part of next year. Because I think, I don't think you can go to Crow Park with anyone. I think it would have to be the Serrano rematch. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think, you know, another kind of debate which, which people are getting stuck into at the minute, more so off the back of last night, is who is the, the, the greatest female fighter in the world, Katie Taylor or Claressa Shields? And that, that's, a, that's a fun one to have because... I guess if you look at pure weight of belts, then you would go with Shields because she's been undisputed in two different weight divisions. But then you would argue that Taylor's got more competition around her. So you can come down either side on that one. You could go back and forth with it. But what we know is we've got two absolute geniuses, really. Brilliant fighters um, in those two. And they're around at the same time, which is, which is absolutely ideal. So we'll, and the future looks bright, by the way, as well, because last night, Caroline Dubois was impressive. Harris was brilliant, and we know we know Lauren's pedigree. She was probably the least impressive of the three last night, but that was probably because the opponent, you know, wasn't wasn't great. Um, but I thought Harris really impressed me last night, and, and Caroline Dubois impressed me every single time I've seen her. And like I say, Lauren, we, we, we know how good she is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and and that was a nice kind of runway into the into the top two fights. Watching all of those, watching all of those three. Okay, so we'll we'll leave it there. We were kind of thinking about adding to the Eubank-Ben debate this week, having addressed it last week, but we're in this kind of hinterland at the minute, really, where no new information has emerged. So we're still waiting for the same questions to be answered. So there's not really all that much constructive that you can say about it. I mean, it is quite extraordinary in many ways because... There really still is only one thing that has happened that everybody agrees on and which therefore I'm willing to accept as fact. And that's that Conor Ben returned an adverse finding in his A sample under VADA testing. Everything else is disputed as for when that test was, when the results were submitted, who were they submitted to, who did they then tell, who leaked what to who, when. Were foreign federations contacted and considered or not? Could they have taken it to the high court or not? You know, it's, it's, we don't really know the answers to any of those things. There is just one fact, uh, and that fact is standing pretty much by itself at the minute. So that's why we haven't, why we haven't 
done it because there wasn't anything that we could really add to it other than just speculation and talking in pure conditionals. Short talk. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, anyway, that'll do us for now. We will be back with the usual episode in a couple of days, so that'll be out late, actually, that'll be out late tomorrow night for Tuesday morning, and it's the first of a two-parter with Ambrose Mendy, which uh, which we enjoy tremendously. I think we're probably going to end up doing three or four with Ambrose. The first one, he tells us just a couple of terrific stories about the early days and 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 the cracking of the cartel. Um, so don't miss that. You will enjoy you will enjoy it enormously. It's been a great week. We thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, hope you have too. We'll catch you again next time. Yes, that line falls on the right page. Podcast Network.